0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans dissect the heck out of the greatest teen show from the early
1: 2000s. This week, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Crash Course in Polite Conversation, which was written by Jessica Queller, directed by Sandy Smolin, and originally aired on February 3rd, 2004.
0: So, Jeremy, I heard you had some fun trivia about Jessica Queller.
1: Oh, you bet your ass I do!
0: <laughs> tell me, tell me! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, something we're gonna start doing in this intro, because um, to do a better job of amplifying the women and the people of color who worked on this show, we're gonna take this space to like really talk about some of th- their accomplishments. So, Jessica Queller, when I first did a Google search on her, I was very fascinated with all the stuff she has done since One Tree Hill. Also, for one thing, if you look her up on IMDb, this episode doesn't even credit her for writing it. Really? The only way you can actually find out that she wrote this episode is if you have the DVDs. The little booklet in the DVDs. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, Mark Schwann is actually credited with it. Fuck him. So. Oh my god. Yeah. But One Tree Hill is listed on her credits. It just doesn't tell you, like, which episode she wrote. So for all we know, like, I I don't know how many episodes she wrote of the show total, but as far as I know, this is the only one I know. And, you know, when we find more, hopefully I'll be corrected. But anyway, since, um, leaving One Tree Hill, she went on to write for Gossip Girl, and she became a writer and producer for Supergirl.
0: That's super cool.
1: Yeah, she's really great. And, um, another thing, too, that she really, um, that she really accomplished, she actually wrote a book... It is called "Pretty Is What Changes." Impossible choices, the breast cancer gene, and how I defied my destiny. Wow, it's a memoir about how she um, tested positive for the BRCA gene mutation. For if you don't know what the BRCA gene mutation, it's like a and I'm not a scientist, so I'm not. I probably not even describing it accurately. But it's a gene that you're born with, and it essentially makes you more susceptible to breast cancer. Yeah. So she got tested for the gene. She found out that she had it. And now she has to, like, you know, come with the decision like, okay, what do I do? Do I go through a lifetime of screenings or do I just have a double mastectomy? That way, like, there's no risk at all for me to get it. And then, you know, then if she does that, you know, getting both breasts removed, then she has this whole, she has a whole bunch of issues with body image, identity, and sexuality.
0: And that's all in her memoir?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds interesting. I'm kind of curious to read the book myself. I was kind of curious to see what she ended up deciding to do. I don't know if she decided to go through with it or if she decided to just go through with the screen ends. but basically this entire book is like her journey with that.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she became like a big advocate for this though, so yeah. So yeah, if you want to check it out though, again, the book is called... Pretty is What Changes, Impossible Choices, The Breast Cancer Gene, and How I Define My Destiny. And we'll include her website in the show notes as well. Caitlin, you're going to put it in the show notes. You yep. write the show notes yep, every I week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the website. Thanks for the heads so up. I'm going to look into that book now. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really fascinating. But otherwise, Jessica Queller wrote a pretty good episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is a really good episode of TV.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, whenever I think about this episode, like, as a, you know, just retroactively I think about it, I'm like, okay, not that much happens in it. It's like, okay, yeah, it's the episode where Lucas and Peyton, like, hook up for the first time and they cheat on Brooke together. And then there's the whole thing with the Scott family dinner. I'm like, there's not really much going on. But, like, really, if you really, like, pay attention to each scene, there is so much being said. This is an episode where more is shown than told. Yeah. And I think it's very very beautiful.
0: I would agree. It's yeah, the dynamics just with the Scott family dinner, the dynamics of all of those characters and different conversations pairing different characters together was it really reveals a lot about their
1: family. And it made me sympathize with Xan a little bit. Yeah. But also made me not excuse him either. There was a lot of um th- there was a lot of nuances there that I never really even thought about it until I rewatched it for this podcast, so I am excited to talk about it.
0: So am I. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but please stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion.
1: Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: Peyton learns her dad's boat is missing while there is an approaching hurricane at sea. To add to the distress, she receives a call that a body was found, and she needs to make a four-hour drive to South Carolina to identify
1: it. Brooke insists that Lucas go with Peyton because he's good in a crisis, while she will stay behind and wait by the phone. Because it was 2004 and cell phones were not as reliable as them, kids.
0: While attempting to drive over a bridge, authorities stop Peyton and Lucas— Of course, the bridge is out, and this forces them to spend the night at a motel until it reopens in the morning. Naturally, there's only one bed, but nothing happens.
1: Yet. The next morning, they go to the coroner's office, and Peyton determines the body is not her dad. Thank goodness. But R.I.P. to the person who actually did die. Moments later, Brooke calls to inform Peyton and Lucas that Peyton's dad has been found safe and sound.
0: After receiving this news, Peyton realizes she left the bracelet her dad gave her back at the motel. Peyton and Lucas hurry back to the room where she finds the bracelet and also cries in Lucas's arms.
1: But the two get caught up in the moment as they begin to kiss passionately and remove their clothes. The steamy Layton scene continues until Peyton's hair gets caught in Lucas's necklace—the same necklace Brooke gave him as a gift. The same Brooke. The two of them just remembered. This can't end well.
0: Meanwhile, the Scott family is surprised when Royal and Mae Scott, Dan and Keith's parents, show up unexpectedly for Dan's birthday.
1: Deb, Dan, and Nathan try to pretend everything is normal at Dan's birthday dinner, but Royal does not buy it. He insists on hearing about Nathan and basketball, and finally, the truth comes out in more ways than one.
0: First, Nathan and Deb reveal that he quit basketball because of Dan's pressure and the steroid use that caused him to end up in the hospital.
1: Then, May reveals to everyone that she secretly helped Dan quit basketball all those years ago. His knee injury wasn't degenerative like everyone thought, at least not if he rehabs it right away, which he chose not to.
0: Royal, Deb, and Nathan are very upset that they have been lied to all these years, and it is clear that Dan has a lot of regrets. Oh boy, what an episode.
1: Oh yeah.
0: So maybe tomorrow I, Caitlin Illinich, will find my way home in Tree Hill.
1: And lying about my knee injury to support my wife and son, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. We both took completely different directions with our intros. (laughs) We really did. (laughs) Apparently, this alternate reality, I have a wife and son, despite the facts. Me being very gay and not wanting children, period. So oh I'm into God. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. All right, so this is the section where we talk about the song that this episode is titled after. But first, I want to give a few shout-outs. So, um, full transparency, last week we aired our episode on 102, The Places You Have Come to Fear the Most. And that was the episode where Caitlin and I sort of talked about, like, you know, like, oh, is One Tree Hill the only show that has episode titles named after songs? And... We found out we were actually dead wrong. <laughs> so, we really were dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there were a, there were a lot. So so I'm just going to run down the list and just give these people shout out. Kira pointed out Euphoria. Thank you, Kira. Jess pointed out The Vampire Diaries. Thanks, Jess. Marielle pointed out Degrassi, The Next Generation. Thank you very much, Marielle. Bree pointed out Winona Earp. I have been meaning to watch that show for the longest time, so thank you for reminding me of that, Brie. And our friends at Pass the Hot Sauce, which is a Roswell rewatch podcast, pointed out Roswell, New Mexico. And this is pretty sad because
0: I watched The Vampire Diaries and some of Roswell, (laughs) New Mexico, and I was
1: not aware of this. And also, like, so many of you shouted at us about Grey's Anatomy, so I'm not gonna name everybody who called that one out. And we both watch Grey's Anatomy, so that's, that's shame on us. Yeah, that was a long time ago, though, for me. Yeah, I stopped watching it after like season three, and now it's like season 300. So, <laughs> <laughs> going into season 17. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yes. All right, so what about this song? So, it's named after, this episode is named after a song called Game Face. What did you think of it?
0: You know, when I first read it, I'm like, I don't know if I see a connection, but then I was reading a line in the third stanza. Look at it this way. There's your side and there's my side. And I think that directly relates to the Scott family dinner. And there were so many different perspectives and different sides that the family members were taking. in this we will get into like the nitty gritty of what they were arguing about, but basically just the past. I'm basketball because that's what mm-hmm. it always comes down to, it seems, with this family. But each family member had like their own perspective and their own side to the story and it was all revealed in this episode. So those two lines resonated me. Resonated with me in this song. What about
1: you, Jeremy? Oh yeah, definitely. Um Yeah, to add to what you were saying, though, yeah, that... You're absolutely right, like, everybody had their own side of the story. And I feel like you walk away thinking, like, nobody is really wrong here. Except Royal Scott. I think Royal Scott's an absolute asshole, but...
0: Yeah. We'll
1: get into (laughs) him later.
0: And I think, like, the title of the song and the episode, Crash Course in Polite Conversation, like, I don't know if they achieved that but <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> but they definitely got a crash course in dealing with family yeah and talking things out you
1: know the episode ended on like a good note though they gave um mm-hmm. royal and may gave dan a quilts yeah so um, in a way it's like okay it ended in sort of a polite conversation i feel like there's still a lot of unresolved issues though yeah. like that family needs to, like really talk shit out and yeah and it's definitely not resolved here but yeah, um, that's very interesting. though, that you uh, took that part of the episode for, your, ana- for your analysis,
0: so you thought it related to Peyton and Lucas?
1: Yeah, which that's funny to me, right? Because you know, <laughs> if this is your first episode. I am not a latent shipper, <laughs> but it's okay. You have Caitlin to relate to, so you can take sides if you want to. Um, oh, we're gonna hash it out. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> the stanza that really um, resonated with me are the words, And you seem like you'd make a good friend, but you never know for sure. I'd like to stay and find out more. And that's exactly what happens between Peyton and Lucas. They both go back to the motel together, and it's like, hey, let's, let's stick around for a little while. Let's see if there actually is something here.
0: I like that you pointed that out because I didn't initially think of the song as a latent kind of song. But I agree with that. They're kind of figuring each other out in a way. Yeah. And what what they both might have to offer each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Even though they probably shouldn't be doing anything together right now, but that's for later in the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about our introduction to Royal and May Scotts. What did you think about them?
0: You know, Dan's dad is exactly who you would imagine him to be.
1: Mm-hmm. I think worse, personally. Worse? Like, Yeah, I think he's worse.
0: Yeah. He's just a really, like, stern, kind of gruff dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't
0: you agree with that? I don't know. There's something about him that just seems really, like, set in his ways.
1: He's, like, the type of guy who, if you went to a family dinner, he's the guy that you would not want to be stuck alone with. Yeah. Because I feel like you'd be the one who would, like, talk your ear off and just make you uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, and just ask you a million
1: questions. Yeah. Like, oh my god. He makes me think about, like, you know, the, um, the gruff, um, dude at a family party who will just pull you aside, like, pull- not, like, not the general you, but let's just say me, as a gay person aside, pull me aside and be like, so, you- I'm sure you're cleaning up with the ladies, huh? I don't know why, he just yeah. makes me think of a dude who would do yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he seems very, um, what's the word? Traditional, I guess.
1: Yeah. So two things have really got on my nerves about Royal. Um, did you notice when he first came in, he tells Deb, he's like, Oh, Deb, it looks like you put on a few. It looks good on you. And I'm like, what? I know. <laughs> Who
0: actually says shit like that? People do say that stuff, though.
1: Looks good. Oh my god, just just stop, dude.
0: It's not cool at all. Yeah, to comment on anyone's weight, whether or
1: not they gain pounds and it looks good, or if they lost weight and uh, even if they lost weight, and it looks good. Like, don't say anything. Just just don't say anything. You don't know what somebody's going through. And the other scene that like really fucking got on my nerves is the scene at the dealership. And then he um, interrupts a meeting that Dana's having with the customer and says, hey, do you know who sold you that car? You know, he was an all-state champion. And me, I'm like, if I was a customer, I'd be like, okay, I don't fucking care. Give me the car. And
0: what does high school basketball have to do (laughs) with anything? Like, to me, that's kind of embarrassing. It's like you're talking about, like, it's one thing if you're talking about professional basketball, but you're talking about high school basketball? (laughs) Are you kidding? Like, this guy is in his... (laughs) What? They're in their, like, mid-30s, right? Like, this is a long, long time ago now.
1: Like, I can understand if it was, like, if he was in high school coming to say that, but I'm like, at this point, this is, like, 17 years later. This is
0: a grown man (laughs) with his own business, and you're coming in and talking
1: about high school basketball. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, If I was the customer, I'd literally be like, that's nice. Um, can I can I get my car? Like that's I, uh-huh. I came here to get the car. The customer was really great and said, you know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, I care. Like maybe this is exciting for the customer. I don't know. For me personally, I'd be like, just just give me the fucking car. But anyway, let's talk about May.
0: And then we have May Scott, who is very warm, and you can tell she's motherly. She seems really caring, and it's just such a contrast between her husband. Which isn't so surprising to me, because I feel like, you know, that's, like, the older generation. (laughs) Right. Where husband and wife can be, like, very different like that. I don't know. I think of grandparents, and I just...
1: These two should not be together.
0: (laughs) No, they shouldn't be together. But I'm, like, not really surprised that these two people are, because I feel like, yeah, it's just kind of, like, an older generational thing. Yeah, Like, he's really aggressive. She's really warm and motherly. They kind of fit these, I don't know, stereotypes or archetypes of the different characters.
1: Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) 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 I have no idea what I'm saying at all. I know what you're saying though, about okay. like, the gener- about the generational differences, though, because, I don't know, I feel like back then it was like, hey, if your spouse, like, annoys you, you know, just suck it up. It's like, okay, like, your, your spouse annoys you, like, you shouldn't be together, like, fucking leave their ass, you know?
0: <laughs> like, they're clearly so different, like, have such different temperaments. Mm-hmm. That's really what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't, I'm not surprised, but clearly they have such a different relationship with their sons too so that manifests in those relationships as well like obviously there's a lot of tension between dan and his dad and even with keith and his dad Mm -hmm. like royal he made some comment he made several comments to keith just like that put him down and and then he was later on trying to get back at dan so he made some comment about like he's proud of keith
1: yeah yeah so (sighs) keith i saw right through and i Just gotta love him for that.
0: Yeah, I like Keith's response.
1: Yeah, he's like, okay, so it took you this long to say something nice to me, and it's a dig at Dan. (laughs) I love that May tries to de-escalate that situation. She's like, let's just eat breakfast. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, she just wants to pretend that everything's okay. Yeah. Which isn't good either. Because it's not, and there's clearly so many issues. And then she's part of, like, the secret that Dan kept.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Whew.
0: These parents,
1: wow! I know, like everybody in Tree Hill needs some family counseling for real, for real. They have some deep-rooted shit, like really, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> for sure. Oh my god! Now, wh- why did Royal show up at Karen's cafe? I
0: know that was an interesting scene because then you see Deb's in the back, and she notices, and we're like, oh. He didn't know that Deb was working there. He wanted to see Karen and talk about what.
1: Yeah, it's never revealed in this. does it ever get revealed. Period in the series. Like I don't remember. Just say yes or no. You don't have to spoil anything. No. You don't. Th- okay. I hope we're wrong because, like, I don't remember it.
0: Is it okay to say that these characters never come back? I guess it's <laughs> not.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, they. We never see them again after this. Um. They are mentioned one more time, and I'll talk about that in the spoiler segment. They, yeah, like they're never. I don't remember there ever being an explanation. But I hope, like you know, maybe there's some scene that's hidden in uh, other episodes that I just forgot about, but that we just forgot about. Hopefully, so we'll say there's probably somebody sending us an email right now. Be like, hey, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. This is set in season one, episode fourteen. I mean, according to IMDb, this is the
0: only episode listed for each actor and actress. So yeah, I looked that up. And came, Unless that's wrong, then.
1: <laughs> but, huh. Very interesting.
0: An interesting fact about both of those characters. Yeah. And I'm going to pull some pop culture trivia out this time. Whoa! About both of the parents. So, Royal, who's played by Gerald McRaney, he is the doctor in This Is Us, for those who watch that show. Oh, and I won't give any spoilers away from This Is Us, but you'll know who who the doctor is that delivers the kids. Um, he plays kind of a interesting role, and which I didn't make that connection until I was looking up the credits today. And then the actress who plays May is Tess Harper, and she's Jesse Pinkman's mom on Breaking Bad.
1: Oh, interesting. So cool little facts for you
0: <laughs> that I <laughs> okay. knew both of those actors and didn't really... Make Like, I did know the one about Breaking Bad, but I didn't make the connection about the
1: This Is Us character. And then you're rewatching it now. You're Uh like, I know these people now. (laughs) Pretty funny. All right. You ready to go to dinner?
0: Are we ready for that? (laughs) Man. Dinner is tense. And I love how Keith brings Whitey. It's so good.
1: (laughs) I have a gas. She's like, oh, it's (laughs) And I love that Keith just lets her think that. Like, it was like, it just shows like there wasn't any toxic masculinity there. Like, whatever. Yeah, sure, it's a date. Whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whitey's a cool dude. I'd love to go on a date with him.
0: Oh, gosh. That's so good. Just to get everyone more riled. But (laughs) in the end, Whitey didn't even really say much of anything. So. Wait, do you think Keith did that for like a. I was thinking that Keith was trying to get them just add to the already. Tense.
1: Real? Oh I hope he didn't do that. You didn't think so? I, I hope he did it because honestly that would make me think less of him. Really? I think it's yeah. funny. You think it's fu- why? <laughs> why would he
0: why would they bring Whitey though? Keith knows that Whitey and Dan don't get along, so I have no idea why Keith would bring him. It makes zero sense. So it has to be on purpose.
1: I think um Whitey and Dan's relationship is a little bit more complicated. It's like, yeah, it's um they don't agree on a lot of things and it's like It is a little bit tense, but I feel like at the end of the day, they do love each other, and they do have some type of respect for each other, because I feel like Whitey's like, oh, it's Dan's birth, of course I'll come over.
0: You think? I don't really think that. I have to disagree. I always thought that Keith was doing that
1: on purpose, just to...
0: Oh, oh
1: God, I hope Keith wasn't doing that.
0: That doesn't make me think less of Keith. That just makes me, like, really? Honestly, I...
1: (sighs) If there already is a tense situation, why would you make it more tense? And
0: all of the shit that Dan has pulled, like Keith just deals with it.
1: But but then you're also making it bad for Nathan as well. Nathan and Haley. I mean, I'm pretty sure like Keith probably didn't know Haley was going to be there. But you're making it bad for Nathan as well. Like the child in the room. Let's not forget Nathan is a child. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, you know what, if you wanted to be manipulative and, there, and Nathan wasn't there, then I'd be like, okay, do, what, do whatever the fuck you want to. Like, you know, I'll shut up if you want to. I'm like, alright, Keith, like, you can start some start some drama, Keith, I'm all for it, okay? <laughs> but don't do it when Nathan is there, is what I say.
0: Well, we can agree to disagree. I think it was purposeful.
1: I'm not saying I disagree with you, I'm just saying that makes me like, like Keith less, if that's what he did do. No, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Jeez, alright, so so now i know if we ever
0: (laughs) i think it's hilarious i don't i don't think keith thought this much was gonna be revealed but yeah i see what you mean like it it gets nathan involved and keith i'm sure knows that nathan's not on the team anymore and that's gonna cause issues so i see i see what you mean but i still think it's gonna
1: if nathan wasn't there i'd be like okay yeah caitlin that's a good that's a good take but honestly i oh my god i think so much less of him i hope that's I hope you're wrong, and I'd like to, I'd like to know what everybody else thinks. Like, what do you think? Why did Why did he bring Whitey over? Because oh, oh, Caitlin, you're making me dislike Keith now. I don't want that. Don't <laughs> do that to me. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. What else? So, so Haley is um invited by Nathan. and That's when she quote unquote meets Royal for the first time, but oh, secretly between the two of them, they actually met at Karen's cafe and. <laughs> The funniest thing I I think about that scene is that see, Royal and Haley really remember each other.
0: I think it was supposed to be earlier in the day, and he yeah he came in specifically asking for Karen. I feel like that would stick out in your mind,
1: so I would remember it. Ugh, I don't know. I I don't re- I don't remember anything honestly. Seriously,
0: it's not like that cafe is like this major restaurant where you're gonna see
1: you know hundreds of people every day or whatever. I don't know. Like I I have such a shitty memory. I. <laughs> if i was um if i was Haley, or if i was royal in that situation if i saw somebody at a cafe i would not remember them if i saw that person again later on at dinner (laughs) which says a lot about my mind i think but like i would not remember you at all
0: (laughs) i mean he was asking about karen and lucas so i feel like that would have to register
1: in your mind a little bit maybe more so for royal because royal probably didn't see that many people but Haley, i'm like how does Haley remember him like she sees so many customers a day at karen's cafe or maybe, maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know how many customers they really got. It's
0: a small cafe. I can't imagine. A
1: ton. Yeah, I don't know. But I just thought that was funny to me personally. Anyway, do you want to talk about some of the big reveals?
0: So, yeah, so many things are revealed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, Royal has to just keep pestering everyone about basketball, basketball, basketball. So, finally, they just relent and then... Nathan says he quit. He's Royal's very disappointed about that.
1: And why? And
0: and it's just (laughs) like, I don't know, I'm trying to form my thoughts about this. You can see so much of Dan and Royal. So you know how Royal's going to react because you know how Dan has reacted. And I think, yeah, like you said, Royal's a bit worse. And then Deb has to add in, you know, the whole drug overdose thing. So they're freaking out about that now. It's wild what is revealed.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: I cannot imagine, yeah, how Nathan feels through all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we also get the other big reveal that Dan's knee injury was never permanent. And there's a lot of nuance going on with that whole thing.
0: Yeah, so May starts off with that reveal. And before actually, before she reveals it, she's pretty much shaming Dan, saying, how could you treat... Put all this pressure on Nathan when you know you didn't like that from your father. It's like the same situation. It's just passed down now. Yeah. From Royal and and Dan to now Dan and Nathan. So I I get her reaction to that because she can't believe that Dan would be acting in the way that he always hated throughout his whole life. Which then leads her to reveal that she helped him quit basketball.
1: Yeah, but also I I gotta give... I gotta give May some criticism here. Like, I understand, like, what to call Dan out in that moment, but personally, I feel like she should have done that privately.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think it should have been open, openly like that either. Yeah, so,
1: like, honestly, like, I was really loving May up until that point. I was like, you should have said that privately and just said, like, Dan, how dare you do that after what your father puts you through? Like, Dan deserves to be called out for that, but... Yeah. Do it privately. Well,
0: I think she could have called him out, but I don't think she had to reveal about the whole... Yeah. You know, helping with the covering up the knee injury, and it really wasn't degenerative. But he, Dan didn't want to rehab it, and she just concealed that from Royal. I think that part was like, should have just been between them. But I think she should have called him out about, like, Nathan.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely you do have a good point there. Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah, she should have called him out like right there in the moment. But you know, mention the other stuff later and be like, hey, don't you know like why you know this happened to you? Let's talk more about this. Like let's unpack it. Like, come on now, you seem like a good person. Don't do that. Don't call him out like publicly at dinner. Then of course it's a drama. They have to blow it up somehow. And some
0: really good writing, I have to say. (laughs) Like really good (laughs) writing. I don't know. I feel like the way they set up that whole dinner scene. It's just really well done.
1: Mm-hmm. I always hear that dinner scenes apparently are, like, the, the most annoying scenes to shoot as well.
0: I can imagine, yeah. It needs to be realistic, and there's so many different conversations going on, and...
1: Yeah, the pretend that you're eating. I, w- <laughs> I was watching a behind-the-scenes then, uh, or not a behind-the-scenes then, but, like, an outtakes type of deal. Sort of behind the scenes, I don't know, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and there is one episode where um everybody is like making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and because like you know they only have so much bread, so they literally have to like rub the peanut butter on like one piece of bread like the entire time, and then redo it again for each take because they can't like run out of bread.
0: Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs>
1: And I'm just thinking about, like, you know, I, I think Haley's the only person I actually like, notice eating, and I'm just, like, thinking about, like, you know, all the other things you have to, like, manage while also acting as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Also, um, Royal talking to Haley and saying, someone's got a big mouth. Shut up, Grandpa.
0: Yeah, why Why did she need to keep that a secret?
1: Yeah. From her boyfriend. Like, it's a very odd thing. Yeah, she doesn't have any loyalty to Royal, you know?
0: <laughs> what do you think he really wanted, like, how often do you think he talked to Karen?
1: I don't know.
0: What did he want to say to her? That's very curious.
1: I really hope there's a scene that we completely forgot about, where, like, maybe there's some context given for this whole thing. but I just don't remember, so... I don't think so. So, so we're some so-called One Tree Hill superfans for not knowing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nine seasons, I can't remember every tiny little detail. Exactly, Even though I've watched so. the series, like, a million times.
1: <laughs> if you're typing out an angry email to us, like, don't, don't tell us, I, I, I want to be surprised. Make us experience it for the first time.
0: (laughs) So after all of this is revealed in the dinner, there's a lot of conversations that follow up this. And I found those conversations to be really interesting. So Nathan talks to Haley, and he basically says that his whole life was built on this lie. You know, that Dan was the best and that he was supposed to beat Dan. And now in the end, he finds out that Dan just, he he left the game. Willingly. And I... Right. Yeah, I can imagine that Nathan's perspective is totally, like, shaken. Because, yeah, that is his whole life. That's all his dad ever talks about. And now he's finding out there's a different... There's more information to the story that that no one knew except his grandmother. I don't know. It's wild. And then he also has a conversation with Dan, too. And Dan basically says that he wants... He wants Nathan to not have regrets like he has. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think about all those conversations? There's... There's so many of them.
1: Yeah, so many conversations with so many liars to it as well. Um, I don't really understand why Nathan feels like he needs to go back to playing basketball. Why does he feel like he needs to be ahead of his dad now?
0: Well, he, he did say to Haley that that's the only way he has to beat him in order to, like, get away from him. I don't know if those weren't his exact words,
1: but... Yeah, but, again, why?
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense how that transpired. Like, his thought process behind all that.
1: Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, there's Dan who was never free after he willingly walked away. And then Nathan's like, oh, well, I'm willingly walking away, too. And I won't be free for my dad, either.
0: I guess because he wants to, like, he wants to go back on his own terms, and not because of his dad. But basically, he is going back because of his dad, because he wants to beat his dad's scoring record, or whatever, and get further than his dad did.
1: I just really don't understand his decision-making process there, because, I mean, I can see if, like, you know, if Nathan was also fake. This is where I'm going to, like, criticize the writing in a little bit. Sorry, Jessica Queller. Um, but maybe if... Nathan was also faking an injury here. Then I'd be like, okay, like, I could see the parallel. But Nathan, like, made it very clear from the beginning, like, hey, I am willingly walking away from basketball. Dan was the one who actually lied about his reason for walking away. Yeah, Nathan willingly walked away from the beginning, so there was never, like, any secret there. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand why you still can't stay away from the game. I mean, go back to the game if you, if you genuinely, genuinely love it. Please do, but... I
0: guess his dad, he feels like his dad's always going in a hold... His regrets over him. Dan regrets not going further with basketball. And now he's going to kind of hold that fear in a way over Nathan. Hmm. So that Nathan is fearful of having regrets.
1: Interesting.
0: It's very complicated.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm glad neither.
0: (laughs) I don't think I have the right answers either. Yeah. And then we also have a conversation with Deb and Dan. And she mm-hmm. feels like her whole relationship is a lie because they left college because I guess he had his injury so he left the team and then they just left college together.
1: Yeah, I never realized I dropped out. This was like new this was new information to me.
0: I know, I never really paid attention to they dropped out before. Yeah. And Dan was like, well, we left to, let's not rewrite history, we left to raise Nathan. But it sounds like it was kind of both of those reasons. Like, there was really no reason to stay because of his basketball career, but like, that doesn't, that still doesn't make sense to me either.
1: For, for that situation, I feel like both answers can be true. Yeah. for That being upset that Dan lied to her, that's very valid. I completely oh, understand. Oh yeah, she I'm goes, not
0: saying that at
1: all. But like... I feel like Dan came from the situation like, oh, I walked away from my because of my knee injury, but like I also want to raise my son, so let's just use this knee injury as, as an excuse a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like I have space for both of them. On a lighter note, for that scene, did you watch the Christmas Elf gag?
0: I long ago I did. I haven't recently.
1: Yeah, so you can find this on the season one DVDs, or you can you can also look it up on YouTube. Just just search "One Tree Hill Christmas Elf Gag." Oh my God, it's so funny. So anyway, during that, during that gag. Um, apparently they shot this episode around Christmas time, and um, what Paul Johansson did completely surprised um Barbara Allen Woods. He um. During the scene, when he walks into the living room, like, with a pillow, saying, like, oh, you can sleep, you know, you can spend the night in the bedroom, I'll spend the night here. Paul um, Johansson comes in with um, Santa Claus boxers and a Santa hat. No shirt. <laughs> 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 Just walks in, like, pursues the scene as normal. <laughs> and- and then there's Barbara Allen Woods, like, you know, you can barely see her because she's shrouded in darkness, but, I don't know, you can almost see, like, the smile on her face, like, she tries to, like, you know, hold it together. <laughs> but she tries to keep the scene going. She's like, do you really have no conscience? You know, you just turned me on so much. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And then he picks her up, like, puts her on the couch, and she's... The two of them are just, like, joking around with each other. I'm gonna have to rewatch that. <laughs> it's so cute and so funny. It just shows that the two of them really did enjoy working with each other, so. Yeah. I love that. I love when two actors who hate each other on screen actually get, their, get along very well off screen.
0: Yeah, that's, it's surprising, but it's a nice surprise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I feel like you have to be comfortable with somebody if you're willing to, like, be mean to them on screen. Agreed. Yeah. That way you know, like, hey, I don't actually mean this. <laughs> this is just acting. Mm-hmm so i don't know that scene's just really funny
0: so are we ready to go there
1: Ugh. no let's talk about the quill the quill is uh, the <coughs> number 33 which is 10 more than nathan's jersey number i thought that was i don't know i thought that was just a subtle touch to say dan is ahead of nathan a little bit okay all right i just want i just wanted to talk about that i know that's actually prolonged and a thing we actually need to talk <laughs> about kick us off caitlin
0: All right, so you're going to have to give me some space here. Like, I'm going to take your phrase now. I have some space for that. (laughs) That's what you said a lot lately. I have space for that. So I have space for the fact that I love this. I love Lucas and Peyton. I have space for that. But then as now I'm watching it older and years later, I also have space for the fact that it's really wrong that they cheated on Brooke yeah so I'm not gonna just be completely mad this whole time but I have space for that aspect of it
1: yeah this may even surprise you when I watched this for the very 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 first time way back when yeah in the early 2000s I was actually a Lucas and Hayton shipper and I'll admit, like, I like this scene, too. I was like, okay, or, like, everything, everything leading up to it. I'm like, (gasps) I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. But still, you know, there's, like, a little bit of, a little bit of level of discomfort where you're like, oh, God, what about Brooke?
0: I know, and I feel like it just all comes down to timing with them. It's like, Lucas wanted Peyton, Peyton wasn't ready, then Peyton was ready, and Lucas was with Brooke. He just kind of fell into... The relationship with Brooke. That's how I see it. It wasn't really like he said he wanted this, necessarily. He just kind of, in a way, like, got thrown into it. Because Brooke was interested in him, and then he just went along with it. Right. And then, now we're back. Lucas and Peyton are friends. They've been friends the past few episodes. Specifically, more so the last episode, they were really seen as friends. And there wasn't really any, like, sexual tension or anything. And now... We come to this episode where there's tension again. And now he's with Brooke.
1: Yeah. I, I gotta um, give a shout out to some of the moments that like lead up to this too. Again, as I said in the as I said in the intro, um, this episode shows a lot without telling a lot. And I think um Hayden and Lucas have a lot of great bonding moments, um, specifically in the motel room. Peyton tells Lucas about the about the bracelet her dad gave her. And then the very next morning, when the two of them are ready to wake up, like, um, Lucas raids the vending machines, and then that's what Peyton talks about, like, how her dad used to make her pizzas with bologna and pineapple and a bunch of other gross things. Yeah. Ugh, I know. That grossed me out. <laughs> they did have some good moments. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, you know, those, all the sacks that Lucas got from the vending machine, they just leave that in the motel room.
0: I noticed that, too. <laughs>
1: They literally, he literally got it out. It's like, oh, I got some snacks. And then it's like, oh, it's time to leave. Like, okay, like, let's leave.
0: There are so many TV shows where, like, people sit down, eat lunch or dinner. And then two minutes later, they haven't touched their food. And then they're like, oh, I got to (laughs) go. It's
1: like, what? Or, like, the popular, like, breakfast scene. Or, like, the the mom that makes, like, a five-course meal for, like, all of her kids and her husband. And then, like, they take two bites of toast. And it's like, oh, like, I can't. Like, I got to go. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so funny.
1: Clean up after yourself, children. Um, <laughs> For this particular thing, I have a little bit of space for it, though, because I'm like, okay, like we have to leave. We have to, like, P- Peyton's like, I have to see if my dad's dead. So it's like, all right, let's just yeah. fuck the sacks, put them aside. I don't know. I would still bring the sacks with me.
0: <laughs> let's think about how Peyton is feeling yeah.
1: this episode. Like, she's very distracted. And I'm okay. sure Lucas wanted to be there for her. So I'm like, okay, like, I can excuse this a little bit.
0: And then, also, what kills me is that in 111, Peyton re- reassures Brooke that nothing is going on with Lucas and that to trust her. Mm-hmm. And then Brooke actually does trust her.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And says, Lucas, go with her. You're good in crisis. Go support her. I I will stay here by the phone.
1: Definitely. Like, rewatching this, knowing what's coming, it's really... It just makes you cringe a little bit. You're like, oh, like, you really did betray Brooke here. I know. Oh, my God.
0: It is cringeworthy when you're anticipating it.
1: Did you notice the very casual drop of, I love you? Well, Brooke said that to Lucas, right? Yeah. So, um, after Peyton um, goes to identify the body, finds out that it's not her father... Lucas calls up Brooke to explain everything, and then Brooke's like, oh, like, you know, they did find, they they found your father, he's fine, blah, blah, blah. Brooke just casually says, love you, and Lucas says, all right, me too, bye. Yeah. It just really pushed aside, like, it's on purpose, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not meant to be seen as, like, a big thing, because I feel like we're we're so deep in Lucas and Peyton's POV here that, like, not only are they not thinking about Brooke, but, like, we're not supposed to be thinking about Brooke either. Like, Brooke is supposed to be, like, such an afterthought right now. And you notice they don't even talk about Brooke. Like, the entire time they're together, they never talk about Brooke. It just shows, like, Brooke is an afterthought.
0: Yeah, she is an afterthought. And think about previously, Lucas was questioning if he should be with Brooke. Remember he was questioning that with Keith? Mm-hmm. And then in one eleven, we have the conversation with Lucas and Brooke, where he's reassuring her that, you know, he likes her, and he likes that they're, they're different people. <sighs> So it's like, you know that there's some conflicting emotions in Lucas, too. I know he reassured Brooke, but clearly, like, he's still on the fence. <laughs> like, you can just tell.
1: Yeah. And as I was saying, like, we're so deep in their perspective that it's like, Brooke, who? Like, oh shit, Brooke. Brooke is a person that exists. And as much as I love to see Sophia Bush taking up screen time, I like that she doesn't take up screen time for, like, the purpose of this particular story that's being told right now. Yeah. I think it's very, well, t- it, it, it's kind of weird me saying, like, you know, like, oh, I actually like how this is done, but you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. Like, it makes you want to think more from, like, what Peyton's going through. hmm And it takes you back to, the, like, the beginning when you had, you saw this connection, like, earlier in the season when you saw this, this pure connection that Lucas and Peyton clearly have, which you can't deny. Right. And without Brooke involved in that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I, I get that. I get it's wrong, but this isn't the first storyline where that I've seen on TV where someone cheats on someone else. It's never right.
1: This is the first time, really?
0: No, I said this isn't the first time. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> this is the first. I was like, do you not watch TV shows, Caitlin? I'm saying, but,
0: like, yeah, on the other hand, like, this isn't the first time I've seen this kind of storyline.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm desensitized a
1: little bit from it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is wrong. I'm not yeah, but, condoning it. But like I said, I feel like in the moment, you're like, you understand why it's happening. Yeah. Because the two of them, it, it's very heated. And, you know, like, let's be honest, this the scene where it happens, that scene is sexy. It's a
0: hot scene. Yeah. Like, it's a hot scene. And there's no denying that. And I'll take that to my grave. <laughs> I get that the, it's wrong. But I don't know. Maybe there's like, that's what makes it hot. I don't. I don't know.
1: That's a testament, I think, to the um both Jessica Quellers write in and um Sandy Smolin's direct in because you're able to feel both emotions at the same time. You're like, like, wow, this is so hot, but it's wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. And we'll get to the music. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: thank oh, you,
0: <laughs> Madonna Wade Reed and Jennifer Piken. <laughs>
1: For securing that that song. You, like...
0: I'm feeling that's gonna... Ladies, you did a fabulous job. (laughs) You picked that song. I don't know how.
1: Should we just go, go ahead and say is that our favorite? Both of our favorite songs for the <laughs> episode. Yeah, we, okay, we're just gonna go. Yeah, that's our favorite song. Spoiler alert. Um, that's our favorite musical, though. It's Maybe Tomorrow by Stereophonics. <laughs> I I don't think we need to explain why we love it. It's like just we just did. It. Like
0: the song is sexy, or like the scene makes the song sexy. I don't know. Maybe they're both. Bu- <laughs> I don't know if I would ever listen to that song and immediately think that's a sexy song, but because I attach <laughs> that song with this scene, it's a sexy song. Yeah. Isn't that weird? But like so I Yeah, you're right. I've known this song obviously and the scene for years now. So like that's I can't you can't take one from the other. Like they go together.
1: Yeah, it's like maybe tomorrow I'll find my way home and it's like, okay, like, is it really about is it about sexuality i I think or is it more just about like literally finding your way home i don't know i don't think the lyrics are are, yeah sexy but like the vibe is but they were finding their way home like within each other yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't even trying to make a good joke there but that was great (laughs) anyway (laughs) so cool that's our so that's our favorite musical moment um Uh,
0: how could it not be (laughs) <laughs> and it wasn't a coda, Jeremy. It wasn't a coda. <laughs> Look at us.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, can we talk about the email I sent you? It's who I am, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't text me because he didn't want to wake me yeah because i don't know like you know i, I never know like you know if you're, is your phone by your head and like you know I'll, I'll alert you and then wake you up like i don't know so i emailed you at like 2 a.m because my brain was just going a mile a minute like i was so i was watching this episode and um i don't know i just had a thought because my analytic brain was just going into overdrive yeah so cause i think of st- stuff like like that all the time i'm like are dolphins just gay sharks <laughs> if you shoot a hole in a bible is it a holy bottle? <laughs> so the
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so what were you thinking about the jewelry well i i don't think there's a larger connection but like i want to hear your thoughts
1: okay so i think there is something bigger here because after peyton identifies um identifies the body that is not her father they have to go back to the motel room to find the bracelet her father gave her of course they end up finding the bracelet And then right afterwards, Peyton and Lucas end up, like, you know, making out, having a fit of passion. And then that's when Peyton's hair gets caught in Lucas's necklace, which is from Brooke. And I don't know, there's just, I feel like there's some deeper symbolic significance or some type of metaphor for them going back to the room for a piece of jewelry. And then they end up getting, like, literally caught in another piece of jewelry. And that's what makes it, that's what stops all the action that's going on. So it's like, the jewelry propelled the action forward. That's what Gotham into the motel But it, a different piece of jewelry also ended what was happening. And I don't know, like, what the larger significance behind that is. But I think there is something there I would really like to hear from somebody who is expert on symbolism and, and things like that. Because, I like, I really want to know this. So, am I just crazy? Am I just, like, literally, like, coming up with this off the top of my head? And, like, Jeremy, like, it's literally just two pieces of jewelry. Like, calm down. Or is there something larger here? So, please... Give us a shout on social media or email us. I really, really want to know this, because I, I never thought about it before, but I think there's something here and I don't know what it is.
0: I think it's interesting that you say a piece of jewelry started started them making out with each other, and then it ended yeah. that what was gonna happen next. So Yeah. I don't know what it could represent other than, you know, it's a reminder. The necklace is obviously a reminder of Brooke. Yeah. I don't think I can pull anything deeper from it, but I think yeah, you do make an know. interesting
1: point that it helped start and stop this whole scene. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's two piece it's two different pieces of jewelry. Um, but I don't know. Like my analytic brain was going into overdrive in that case. I was like, Oh, what does the what does this mean? I tried to Google like jewelry symbolism and whatnot. It, like I couldn't really find anything that really made me think anything. But I don't know. Send us your thoughts. I just thoughts. really thought about it a lot. Would you say? Send us your thoughts. Yes, please do. I I would love to read it on the show and who knows, maybe you'll replace me as co-host. <laughs> <laughs> if you come up with something like very very elaborate and thought provoking. Like. Mm. But also too, like, I I have to question the the reason why Peyton, like not not so much question why Peyton needs to go back to get the bracelet, but like the deeper symbolic significance of her needing to go back. And she goes back for the bracelet after she finds out that her father is alive.
0: It's like she wants to be close to her dad. She wants every connection to her dad as she can possibly have. She almost lost him. And I feel like her her sense of like safety and secureness was affected because she thought her dad was dead and then the bracelet was gone. It was like that was her connection to him. And then she seeks like comfort and safety with Lucas. And that turns into a romantic
1: moment. It just makes me wonder like was getting the bracelet back just an excuse to, like... It, it sounds manipulative for me to say it that way, but is it an excuse to just um, give in to the passion that she and Lucas have? You know what? I'm actually kind of liking that. What I was going to say was, if Peyton founds her father and her father was dead, then I'd be like, oh my god, girl, go back and get that bracelet, of course. Mm-hmm. But now it's almost like... It's almost like it was an excuse to just go back to the motel room for the two of them to give into their passion. And again, it's not like it's you know, it's not like both of them are manipulative, like "oh, let's go back to the motel room, we gotta ha- we gotta fuck." Like, I don't think it was like that, but like it was more of like a subtle um take for the two of them to be like, "hey, we need to go back and we need to give into this passion because thank goodness like you're not safe, so we can finally like give in to like this tension that the two of us have."
0: Huh? That's an interesting thought.
1: I didn't even think about it until just now. So. <laughs>
0: I, then that makes me think, like, were there intentions? I don't think there are intentions to go back in the room and start, to go back to the room and
1: start hooking up. I don't, yeah, like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, that apparent. Like, hey, we need to go back and fuck. It's, I don't think it's like that. I think it's more just like a. Like a subconscious thing? Yes, subconscious. So, hmm, I don't know. But as you can say, like, nothing is being told to us directly in this episode. No. Like, a lot of, it's being shown to us, and like, a lot of this is what we're extrapolating from it, so I'm just saying, like, oh, God bless you, Jessica Queller.
0: Yeah. It's an awesome, honestly, it's an awesome episode from beginning to end. So, do you want to get right to it, Jeremy? Yes! <laughs> we already shared our musical moments, so let's share our favorite quote. What was yours?
1: <laughs> um... Mine was the conversation between Peyton and Lucas where Peyton says, "You know how in dreams you're always trying to get to some place you need to be, but you never really get there?" Lucas is like, "Yeah." Then Peyton's like, "I wish I could wake up." That's a good one. Th- that just gave me a lot of feels honestly cuz cuz I'm like, "Oh, it's like sh- sh- Peyton has so much anxiety in this moment. She just doesn't want it to be real." And it's just like I really feel for her.
0: It's a nightmare.
1: She's really worried about Papa Payton. Oh my god, by the way, last episode I called him Daddy Sawyer over and over again. Brooke calls him Papa Payton. Yeah, she did say Papa Payton in the in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I- I'm kind of mad that I didn't think of Papa Payton. So, <laughs> from this point onward, I'm not calling him Daddy Sawyer. I'm calling him Papa Payton. <laughs> oh, that's cute. My
0: favorite was another moment with uh, Lucas and Payton. This is in the car. Oh, This was a moment where you just think... <laughs> About, like, what's
1: going to happen. Oh, God, wait. Is it the moment I think you're going to talk about?
0: Yeah, what's going to happen next and, like, what they're really thinking and feeling after they just, you know, almost had sex. (laughs) Right. So Peyton says, we just, we got carried away. It didn't mean anything. Lucas says, it didn't. Peyton says, of course it did. Uh it kills me. Mm. It's like they don't want it to mean anything, but it obviously means something because they've always had feelings for each other.
1: Ugh, yeah.
0: Whether the one was able to admit it or not. Ugh, it just, it gave me all the feels. It was like, damn. <laughs> Peyton's trying to write it off like it didn't mean anything. You're with Brooke now. And then it's like, it didn't mean anything? Of course it
1: did. So much of sad and, oh, it's, can't believe it. Oh.
0: So what would you rate this? Bad boy. <laughs>
1: <sighs> it's like the more we talked about it, I'm actually I'm actually increasing my rating. The more we talk about it, yeah. So I'll give you my score after I ca- give you my rating system. I'm rating it out of frozen pizzas with pickles, bologna, pineapple, and whatever, and I give it a five out of five.
0: Dang, I was not expecting you to give it a five out of five, but I <laughs> I also give it a five I- out of five. <laughs>
1: I originally gave it a four out of five, but like, it's just, the the writing is absolutely amazing. And I, you know, even if I don't, even if I don't like Lucas and Peyton together, like I still love how the story is told. It is so great.
0: I agree. I went into the episode watching it and obviously I knew the scene and yeah, (laughs) as a teenager,
1: I loved that scene, but. (laughs) You still like it at 29. (laughs) it.
0: So I went in with an open mind. I'm like, I'm not going to just say it's a five out of five just because of that. Well, I watched the whole episode and I just love the whole Scott family drama and how that was done, too. I'm like, I cannot give this a lower score than a five. It's a fantastic episode from beginning to end. And I think it's the best one thus far of the whole season. So I give it five out of five silver bracelets. Oh, great storytelling.
1: Very nice. Nice. I wonder what's going
0: to happen next. I don't know. So many possibilities.
1: Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always You can also email us at Always at gmail.com. That's Always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow
0: Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy.
1: You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads.
0: Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us.
1: Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you.
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your final reminder to turn this podcast off if you do not want
1: spoilers. You sounded like such a great sports announcer in that moment. I- I was gonna- <laughs>
0: I'm trying to switch it up, Jeremy. I'm trying not to say the exact same thing every time.
1: I was, I was really into it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Appropriate, you know, because this podcast is all about sports, you know.
0: That's it. Just sports.
1: We always let sports lovers down, I think, each week, so. <laughs> oh, I know. Which is so funny, because sports plays such a large role in this show. But anyway, both of us had questions. Yeah, let's start with yours. This episode made me think a lot about how Peyton's tends to uh, trauma bonds with a lot of the people in her life. So, we have Lucas right now, mm-hmm. which she thinks her dad is dead, and she's worried about that. And then, you know, I've said in previous episodes about about Jake and her overall daddy issues. You know, she feels like it's sort of an attachment with Jake because, you know, like, oh, Jake's a good dad. She still believes that her dad's a good dad. But overall, I just think there definitely is some daddy issues. Okay, so there's that. And then there is um Season 3, Episode 16. You know, the episode. She gets shot in the leg. And then that's when she confesses to Lucas that she loves him. Yep. And then... In season six, we find out that she was with Julian for a little while, and the catalyst for getting them together is because she was so heartbroken over everything that happened with Lucas. Oh, gosh, you're right. It just makes me think, like, Peyton has to always go through some type of trauma in order to feel some type of connection, and I don't know, like, the whole Lucas of Peyton thing makes it not sit well with me now, even thinking about that. It never sat well with me, of course, but now this is...
0: Yeah, I can see what you mean. There's never just, like, pure feelings. It's always, like, yeah, drama or trauma (laughs) that is attached to those feelings. And I think it all does start with, you know, she lost her mom at a young age. Her dad is hardly ever around. And I feel like she's just very vulnerable when it comes to getting close to people. And rightfully so. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that those insecurities kind of translate over into romantic feelings for other people.
1: Yeah. It's just, I don't think it's very healthy.
0: Yeah. But because it it happens with, like, every... Now that you pointed out, it happens with, like, every relationship she has to some degree. I don't know how you can feel better about Jake versus Lucas. You just pointed out that she has trauma attached to all of her lovers, you know. So I don't think that makes like one worse than the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know what I mean?
1: I'll start to rethink my feelings toward Jake and Peyton Zale.
0: Yeah. Just just pointing that out there. You know. It doesn't
1: make one <laughs> You're trying to hold me accountable. I get it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I worry about her though, and a lot of it a lot of it just goes toward the fact like, you know, there's some there's some really crappy write in behind like before behind how you write a woman in general.
0: Mhm. She's very dependent and vulnerable.
1: Yeah. You're not giving women a chance to, like, really um, develop their own feelings toward a matter. Yeah. Otherwise, you had a question.
0: Yeah, we kind of touched on this in the regular episode, but we never meet Royal and Mae Scott again. And that blows my mind, because I thought we did, and then when I went to go look it up, the only credit they have is this episode.
1: Yeah, unless they were recasted, like. No. Like on Papa Pan. No, but, they weren't. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> and that is like, oh my gosh, what a lost opportunity, because there could have been so much story there. Mm hmm. Like, they didn't need to be in a ton of episodes, but I feel like they could have been included a few times throughout the series. And I think those could have led to some interesting scenes, because you have this whole, this lovely episode. And all of this is revealed, and now you're kind of left hanging, in a way. hmm But you don't even know that you're left hanging, because they just don't come back this season, and then they just never come back again, but...
1: <laughs> right, right. They are mentions one other time, though. Do you remember when that was? It's, uh, yes, I do. I, I don't remember this actual scene. I, I looked it up on, um, the Wikipedia for one trail, so... They actually are mentioned in the episode where Keith and Jules were supposed to get married, and um, the two of them aren't there, Royal and May are not there, but Keith said that apparently the two of them are on an African safari, which they offered to cancel and res- or reschedule or whatever, but Keith joked that Royal would just be resentful the entire time. So Keith just said, "No, go on your African safari." Wow, that's, that's the only other time we know. That's
0: curious that they even mention them. I don't even know if they weren't going to have them there. Why did they even bother mentioning them? Because mm-hmm. like Keith's funeral, they weren't there at that, and that's pretty big. Oh, gosh, you know.
1: <laughs> How do I forget stuff like that? Like yeah, like your own kid dies, you're not even at the funeral. <laughs> it's really screwed up. Maybe they were there and, like, they were just off-screen to get the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I don't think so, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But regardless of whether or not they're there, though, this, the rest of the season is going to go to so many great places, and honestly, we gotta keep hanging on.
0: <laughs> hanging
1: by a moment? Yes! We gotta keep hanging by a moment, which that's also the title of the next episode. Season 1, episode 13 which we will be discussing in your ears next week. And according to our One Tree
0: Hill DVD box sets, Lucas and Peyton finally declare their feelings for each other, then face the agonizing chore of telling Brooke. On their way to get Karen at the airport, Keith and Lucas have an accident that leaves Lucas fighting for his life. We'll
1: We'll be be seeing seeing ya.